Live from the meantime in Austin, Texas, this is the Sandlot Revolution Podcast. This is what a Rambler sounds like. Delicious sparkling water made with our limestone mineral blend. This is what a Rambler sounds like. Because Rambler is made here in the U.S. of A. Ramblers do it better. Visit RamblerSparklingWater.com to learn more. Hello, Sandlot fans. This week we're releasing the first of many Sandlot conversations. The host will be Jack Sanders, and his guest is OG, OG playboy, Steve Ross. This is Sandlot. So, okay, here we are. We're in, we're at uh, the meantime in Austin, Texas, and my name is Jack Sanders. I'm the manager of the Texas Playboys Baseball Club and also an owner and operator um, of the Longtime Texas, a Sandlot baseball venue facility here in Austin, often referred to, I think, in this, in this podcast that we're talking on. But I'm Howard Carey and team here at Sandlot Revolution uh, podcast asked me if I'd be interested in coming on and instead of just being interviewed again by them, maybe having a conversation with another Sandlot, local Sandlotter or, or not local, but any Sandlotter. And I thought about it a few times, went through a couple different iterations of or a couple questions of who I would want to uh, talk to for an hour about this and definitely some different pitchers and some all-stars, third baseman and catchers and all this. And, and then I thought, wait, why don't I just go to the dude that was there at day one with us at the Texas, the founding of the Texas playboys, my friend, Steve Ross. So I, um, thought this would be what a cool opportunity i mean it's really at least our relationship goes back basically right at 20 years now so just to give the listener a little bit of an intro to you you were a prof- an, a senior lecturer at the university of texas at austin and um before that had been in the real estate business as a developer and did you study architecture before that business yeah, I uh, well, anyhow, I know. Sorry, thanks. thanks well, it's Jack. Not, yeah, this is just it's just, just I'm really happy to be here. Thanks. Good. Um, I'm sorry. To, I don't want. I want to give a little more of an intro. Sorry, okay. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna let you go there yet. To our listeners, this will be cut and maybe put back somewhere else. <laughs> we can totally start over. I think no, no. But this is uh, the Texas Playboys were was founded around 2005 or 2006. A couple of years after I had been in your class. Mm-hmm. A um, couple of classes. A couple of classes. I'd come from the rural studio studying architecture with Samuel Mockby, and I think right when I got to the University of Texas, the general feedback I was getting was, what a cool thing you just did. You know, maybe now you should get into something different and try to test some different paths. But I was, you know, I don't think I was quite finished with some of the conversations and discussions and topics primarily the sandlot conversation yeah and the first class one of the the first semester in my new at my you know my new home in austin texas i take a class titled housing america was it can you give me the rest of that back then it was housing america uh, yeah, that was it. I don't no, know. it was. It had American something, it was dream. American something, uh, the American dream, but it was basically uh, a long, long, long. I guess this is Sandlot. A long time ago, I was asked to teach a class on housing. I think because I had come from a, a real estate back, real estate development background, but my politics had been moving from wherever they were far right, and so our dean at the time thought the perfect fit for me to do would be to teach some sort of housing class, maybe affordable housing, but I, without changing the name of the class, Sandlot, I guess, uh, Culture Jam, I uh, turned it into a class that was more about the delivery systems for our housing, you know, like why some people get to get housing, some people don't get to get housing, and you know, and that sort of thing, why some housing is affordable, why some housing isn't affordable, why can't everybody have a house, why is there homelessness, and I think it just boiled down to just looking at the American dream as a delivery system for housing. 
Cool. Uh, and, you know, and a lot of critique of the American dream and looking at a lot of different manifestations of the American dream. Well, again, what an interesting class title for me to see after leaving the rural studio, at least thinking what application could there be for me? Just the word affordable housing an, or American dream. Yeah. Both, <laughs> both, been, of, both of them, got both my, of them sound good, but they seem impossible. It also was on a Monday night <laughs> at like 7 p.m. and yeah. it was for three hours. Right. And again, I'm going to let, I'm just going to let you dive into this a little bit, sure. but I, I, you know, it's crazy that we're 20 years from that class, but in that class, first of all, I met my wife, yeah. Ann Tucker, the beautiful and talented Ann Tucker. Mm-hmm. And you guys would flirt with each other on our discussion board. Flirting on the discussion board. It was, it was in code, but it was flirting. Yeah, for sure. And I really, you know, day one was really interested in Ann Tucker. Yeah. And... And somehow in that same very first class at UT, I was introduced to what, to Liz Lambert and El Cosmico and is a project that I still am working on today. Who I saw a couple weeks ago and she was so nice (laughs) (laughs) and adorable and and like was really Well, because you were there day one too. Well, that's what she said. She goes, I'm sorry, I'm not bragging or maybe I am, but she just goes like, you're you're still a legend. Totally. Well, I mean, here we. And I thought everybody thought I was dead. And in addition to that, in that same class, somehow it turned into an opportunity for both of us to get to do some cool design build projects yeah. together introduced us. I mean, so many musicians, so many artists in Austin that mm-hmm. have had a tremendous influence on me and the Texas playboys. Got our, but, got our names on uh, Rick Linklater. Credits. Well, so then there's the Rick Linklater thing too. Yeah. That's, I guess that's the point is so we also got to build the treehouse with Rick Linklater, yeah. but that led to us. A lot, so a lot, Again, yeah. so I don't talk the whole time. So do you time. want to go back to the first night of no, class? No, I, I want to. I like the first okay. night of class. Well, I think we can go back to the first night of class too. Yeah, yeah I, we can no. go, but we also need to then go to the first day of the Texas Playboys. <laughs> if you could just tell us, because you were there and you definitely, I may get credit for managing and 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 uh, you know. Making it real, <laughs> Make it, but in terms of naming it, you, you definitely had to have come up with that. You, so, well, I read. You probably the, even said, "Let's go play." I mean, I, boys. I, so, I I think again, both or of I was us probably listening to the Playboys while uh, we had the idea. So, I guess yeah, you could tell us a little bit about my first day in class if you remember it. But no, you no, could no, also do, yeah. tell us uh, your memory of 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 founding the Texas Playboys. But then, if you don't mind, as as a, you know, I think one of the, I think one of the things I learned in school and with you is coming to you know coming to terms with terms on my own terms yeah. is I think the way you said it, yeah, I did. and and learning that to trust my instinct yeah. and and so one of the things I do think I'm good at is doing it, but I don't think I'm very good at talking about (laughs) and i'd love for you to tell me what we're doing the texas playboys and the long time and 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 in general the whole sandlot (laughs) movement that is that is today all over the country and international we know of teams that are playing in australia canada we had a team come from saskatoon canada and play at the long time you know Tell us, I mean, I know you know the origins of the Newburn Baseball Club. Mm-hmm. I know you know the origins of the Texas Playboys because you were there. You've watched, you've played in the first five, ten years, mm-hmm. and certainly observed and watched and listened to the email chain yeah. for the last 20 years. So I, I have read every single email. So anyway, I do want you to tell us what we're up to, maybe. And <laughs> and so I'll turn it back to you and you tell well, me. Tell me about the first day of class. Yeah, well, I can go all, all kind of places, but. And so it, it's an honor just that you would even think of having me to be here to do this. Um, you know, I, 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 I remember distinctly you and Rick and I going into the woods. Is this when it all, is that the day? Yeah. Okay. And I remember going into the woods and to look at a, a very special tree that he wanted to show us to on his property. And uh, in my head, it was sunny, and we were walking back, and uh, by the time we got out of the woods, 
Rick had said, that's a great idea. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the other stuff, I just don't remember. But am I at least in the right place? Yeah, no, I think it's something. I yeah. mean, I but think. But you had, you had told me the story, but the Newburn story before, and you knew that I got it. And yeah. you knew that I was sad that even though I wasn't at the time a baseball player, I was actually jealous and sad that I wasn't able to be part of something. I think I, it was. That probably, I wasn't you when you were there. I think my <clears> recollection <throat> would be that. He probably said, I think we actually had hit baseballs over on his field. That same day, okay. Same day. And during that process, I think in a natural conversation about each of our baseball histories yeah. probably came up, like yeah. Little League, High School, Did You Play College? Yeah. Sort of a resume yeah. reading. Well, and I mean, at some point, he asked me, and and I think for me, I, I remember it being a really cool moment because you're because it's like, holy holy shit, I, just, I get to tell Rick Linklater a story. Yeah. You know, and 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 I re- told him the baseball about playing at the Newburn Baseball Club, and at the end of it, he said, "I would like to see that." Yeah. And then you probably said, "We should go and play it." I'm the t- we should be called the Texas Playboys. Yeah. That sounds like me burst blur- blurting out something irrelevant, probably. Well, I think you probably immediately got the connection of a group of traveling artists well, and I, thought. I mean, you think you probably referenced that photo yeah. of Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys. Yeah, yeah, and, dr- and looking cool. Knowing what we did in the American Dream and those yeah. classes, I can't. I, well, I think that's a good possibility. A bit like your uh, final project at the saloon and in, in the American Dream class. Too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was there in the beginning, and you know, as far as I can tell, it just seemed immediately. I hadn't really thought about. It. You told me a little bit about your idea before that you would. Uh, basically, what I remember was that when you left Newburn, you looked back at the team and said, I, I, "When I'm when I return, I'm bringing a team with me." And then I, we did yeah. re- we did return, and you said, "Well, first off, they were all laughing at us. They were all out in the woods, and we have no way. We never even saw them. We just heard people laughing because we were doing yoga or something." <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, did away, or one of them looked at you and said, "It looked like you brought the Texas Rangers down to Newburn, Alabama." Yeah, uh, and I think that was partly just a way of them saying, "Like this, this, this gave them a lot of joy too. It gave all of us a lot of joy." And uh, I think and there was like thousands of people there that day. Yeah, and I think by the, I think you know we definitely got uh, got beat very bad, but I also think that by the end of it they, you know, respected us for, you know, playing all nine, <laughs> you know, in over two days we played a doubleheader and, and got you, beat both games. You pitched the entire first game, I think. I think I had to. Did I pitch the second? Maybe game? Maybe the second game. Yeah, you. But I think you pitched what the it is is we game. used yeah. all our pitchers in the first game, yeah. and so there was only one option, and that was for me to go nine. In the game too, which was fine. It's just uh, it was it, they couldn't take me out, even though it was eleven to nothing or yeah. something, you know. So, yeah. well, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, we definitely hit balls, but it, I I don't think I think maybe I I was taking it seriously as a fantasy. But when we went into the woods with Rick and came out with a baseball team <laughs> founded. Uh, I think I started listening a little more carefully and taking it a lot more seriously. And I think, you know, thinking back, you might have it wrong, but it seems like my immediate thought was this Rick is so sandlot. I mean, his, if, you know, I've known him a while and you go back to his early movies and you know, he's sandlot. I mean, I think more than I, this. I think Austin, or at least the Austin that you and I and many of your classes, we were acknowledging and talking about, is Sandlot. I mean, it's certainly, I mean, here we, I think there's no doubt that Willie Nelson and Rick Linklater um, are, are Sandlot, (laughs) you know? Yeah. There's a lot of it still. We, Jeppy and I went to blues festival at Waterloo park this weekend and we, we saw a lot of not retro Austin, but people who were still like authentically Austin, you know, and Austin, to be what Austin was back in the 70s, it's just a matter of it It has to play Tai Chi with the world. It, it has to roll with the punches. And even though it's getting bigger and, you know, becoming more of an international city as opposed to a cool, big little town, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Austin's always had to react to stuff in ways that it can do, you know, do culture jams with it, make more than this out of it. So, okay, well, we had a baseball team after that visit to – Rick Linklater's, yeah. um, I mean, maybe, uh, obviously that for those first Alabama trips were the real, real starting point. 
can you tell me, you know, some of the, just re- tell talk about some of the other things we did after the first couple of years? I mean, uh, I feel couple- like somehow Marfa, what we did in Marfa and what we were doing at El Cosmico somehow was, you know, yeah. they were tied together with, with, uh, they were crossing over work and play and oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think back then in school, you were and and there were journalists following following <laughs> along to write about it. Uh, I think back then you said something about like we were. Uh, I think I said like we were like a hyperlink or something for things to come together and uh, you know create some comes some kind of creative synergy or something. And I think back then you were calling it like I don't even know if people use the term anymore, like a mashup or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean that's the that's the article I'd want to read. More than any curiosity I have about the Playboys is how each member became a Playboy. How, who did you, I'm assuming you asked everybody in the beginning, but I was just told I was a Playboy. Well, I think uh, we both had, we both were definitely on it (laughs) to start. (laughs) You and me and our dogs, and I think it was cold and rainy, and maybe Sam Jones, I'd show up I mean, the the, first practice. You know, what I love the most about the Playboys is the creative spirit so much influenced by that what you know by the that austin sandlot and it's easy to say rick and and um and willie yeah but the truth is is you exposed me to and the playboys has exposed me to the you know the next layers of that yeah and and how that just how deep that is i mean profoundly productive so many different you know the playboys networks again a lot of it radiated out (laughs) from rick but i mean if you the influences you know from even tim kerr and uh daniel johnson and 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 um even going to marfa and i turn around look behind me and fran christina he's he used to be the drummer of the fabulous thunderbirds and he's married to julie speed there he was as the umpire yeah and i just turned around looked at him shook his hand yeah alejandro escovedo or ben queller ben queller but tish tiff merritt is a playboy Mm -hmm. a lot of people well and liz is a pied piper for was in the early days for the playboys too and i think that's that's you know i was mostly a playboy in the beginning and I've uh, kind of not been around as much so much lately, but, um, you know, the, the, which is wonderful. Oftentimes things become brands and they become less. And I don't like the idea of the Playboys being a brand, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing is, it seems to work in ways that I really think are really great and really cool. I uh, think yeah, I, I would say the Playboys are a really good gestalt. You know, they got a really good, whatever it is. It's like, if you get it, it's wonderful. And, um, yeah. Sorry. I think, no, I agree. I think that's, that's really that's interesting. What the, that's I mean, what was I, great about the first days though, yeah. is that it was all freaking word of mouth. People mm-hmm. saying like, have you heard about these playboy guys? Have you heard about this, this happy hour at Mohawk? Have you, next thing I knew, I was still teaching at the time. My students all knew about the playboys. I had a student come to class one day and said, that's the best, that's the funnest, that's the greatest picture I've ever seen. And I'm going like, what? And she goes, on the Playboy's webpage, you said you were a Playboy and there's a picture of you holding up a dog at first base or third base or something. And I'm going like, how did you even, how did these worlds even come freaking together? Uh, I mean, I think hearing baseball while you sit and talk to your friends is pretty nice. Yeah, when our son was playing Little League and we lived near uh, where they would practice over by Lions Golf Course, and uh, from you know a couple hundred yards away, if the wind's just right or the atmosphere's just right, you hear the little kids hitting the ball with the bat. Mm-hmm. It just gave me joy ever, and it, it still does. From a distance, you hear that bat. I feel like maybe we haven't been turned. Oh on. no, I see what the problem was. Okay, I was worried that we weren't recording, but <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Howard's listening. No, it's just too bad. I think he, Howard's really, recording it with his phone, I hope. Yeah, this is really bad. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. This is exactly what oh, I'm, I'm talking about. I'm is just that, saying Howard's saying No, I, I think you, I still that's kind of what was cool is I kind of want to hear, it's nice to hear you talk about the Playboys because you've watched it for 20 years. Yeah. Tell, you know, and, and I, I think I was, the, the brand thing is a really interesting thing that you know obviously i do think a little bit about it but but, um but you know it's it's how something becomes like a brand and it became a brand from the bottom up it wasn't 
not to talk about particular gene companies, but it wasn't <laughs> somebody selling something to make money. It was somebody making money selling. You know, I play baseball. I make money playing baseball versus I play baseball to make money. You know, the Playboys just play baseball and they just struck a chord. And there it's a go. whole hell of a lot of really cool people that you just want to be around. Yeah, no, but I think it's, and, and I mean, I also the sign making part of it has been an interesting part for me is yeah. that, is that a couple of years ago I did, it never crossed my mind. Yeah. And now not only, you know, now I realize that part of my job at the long time is to paint us, you know, paint a sign. And it, what a, what a joy to just be there all day working on a sign and then to have Greg Jones, a legendary sign maker yeah. passing sort of a trade or a skill and, that's yeah. actually and usable. Lalo, the legendary male supermodel. Yeah. Or, and just getting to come up with ideas like that and, and paint those signs and learn a skill from Greg. And, um, it's definitely, you know, it's so, definitely brand work, but it's different than, um, so, yeah, then it's different than just a paid partnership on Instagram somehow, which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. You're, it's, it's sort of about, it certainly parallels playing good baseball yeah. too, of, of just being comfortable in yourself yeah. and becoming the best of yourself yeah. and feeling that way. Without well, having to worry so much about your career is over. You won't be, you know, playing in the major leagues because you didn't catch that ball. Exactly. Yeah. You just, it did act. I mean, the, the thing is, it's just like come out here and be your best baseball playing self as long as you are concentrating on having a good time. Exactly. Um, but now I got questions for you. Bring it. Did you always want to have a field? You know, I guess I did. Were you, well, con- I mean, when did you start consciously thinking about a field? Well, I actually built fields as a kid. I did not know that. Yeah, there's a, I know you used I mean, to I don't think I connected these dots until the last few years either, <laughs> yeah. but when I lived in Cleburne, Texas, before moving to Fort Worth, mm-hmm. um, I lived in a suburban neighborhood where we were building um, where, you know, our house was the sixth one on the street and further down with studs, yeah. you know, and building materials and dirt piles to play in yeah. and across the street were empty lots. Yeah. And then across that was a big church. Yeah. Um, but my uncle helped me put up four pressure treated posts mm-hmm. and stretch a little chain link on it. And, I uh, took his riding Toro lawnmower and actually did the baselines lower you know, in my memory of this, it was pretty pretty well done. <laughs> and you did the baselines lower because you'd been to a lot of games or you'd no, watched a lot yeah, of games? Yeah, well, I was playing Little League, at the, yeah. I'm sure, to some degree at the That's time. That's how but, it's supposed to be. But I don't remember enjoying Little League. Yeah. I do remember enjoying building that field. <laughs> and I also remember that the kind of baseball we played on that field yeah. was different than Little League. Yeah. Because I remember being there with friends and hitting home runs all day yeah. long, yeah. you know. Where and then, and then little league not being that, yeah. And yeah. so I think it was without coaches, it was without parents, yeah. it was just as pure as it gets. That's the baseball I played. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I didn't play an actual game on a team until yeah. I was fifty, playing for the Playboys. But our next door neighbors had a big front yard and a big backyard, and all their boys were like the top athletes. Yeah, and. We played wiffle ball. You get a broom handle and you take a wiffle golf ball, put an X tape around it, and swing at it all day long. And that's how I learned to bat. That's how I learned to catch. And you know, and then I just fell in love with baseball because I like the way the glove smells. Yeah. Well, I think I remember. I and remember the, and the outfits. I remember the construction of that field, yeah. and I remember playing my best baseball there, which yeah. I would equate. To something similar. Yeah, well, that's my best drawings were about that same time yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. And that's my thing about the wiffle ball is like that was fun. Yeah. But then I went one day and tried out for little league. I hated it so much I just quit. Yeah. Well, and you know, so I have. I won't go into that whole story. That's another chapter. So, of well, when did you uh, decide you were going to start looking for a place here? Yeah. Well, I think after so. um so my thesis project, obviously, at Rural Studio was a baseball Excellent. field as well. And then and then surely I thought at that time that was it. <laughs> That's got to be the last one. But I also, as an entrepreneur trying to figure out what to do, there was a side of me that was wondering why there wasn't any middle ground between little league yeah. facilities and county facilities that right. are zero 
you know, alcohol. And we were playing games then. The Playboys were playing games and signs said no alcohol and no amplified music, which were both the things that we really wanted to add to this. (laughs) One night you had me go talk to a county uh, park guard. Oh, yeah. Remember Dana's car wouldn't start? Oh, and I mean, she would, this lady was hand, just hand up there. and They were about to shut off the lights or something? They did shut off the lights. <laughs> yeah. But then she was saying, like, no alcohol, no. And you just said, go talk to her. Yeah. Just take her over there and just go talk to her. Yeah. Yeah, because it was against all the rules, well, all the laws. So it, and those, at those, so it had been on my mind, like, why is there not yeah. an, uh, something in the middle there? And I tried yeah. to think, I think maybe what I was also studying when I was a thesis student with you, the project, if you recall, the <laughs> title of my thesis was called home. Yeah. And I think, um, that was based off of a Merle Haggard s- song. It was actually the swinging doors mm-hmm. was sort of the idea, mm-hmm. but it was about creating really something along the lines of an art studio or a mm-hmm. creative studio that I maybe lived in too. Um, and didn't, but I also, but like Butch Anthony and yeah. others who had kind of made, a living doing their thing yeah. it was at their home it was like well what what can i make here and sell it <laughs> yeah. but also like you know i have to say is the highest integrity and quality and talent but also the you know that middle ground where you can also play Rednecks, white socks, and blue ribbon beer. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. There was nothing. I don't know where. Well, I mean, there was Lars. Lar- Lar- here in town, Lars Stanley has been like that yeah. for a long time. You know, a little compound where it's just about people coming together and celebrating their love for what I feel doing. like I had always, there was always, I was always doing a little bit of that. Yeah. I mean, even when I wasn't building a baseball field in high school, I definitely was the one if peer, the one of my friends who ran the mowing business mm-hmm. and had, you know, had, started the mowing business and managed the, the crew and, <laughs> and I, basically I, that my friends today still say that I owe money from that but well you also only worked for tips I think you told me <laughs> well I would always tell my clients that they could pay whatever yeah. they wanted to pay yeah. whatever they thought it but whatever it is that we deserve I would say that, that and it worked that, really well yeah. in, in these neighborhoods in Fort Worth that we did and but I, would you say that thread still exists yeah. in what you do today yeah I do too yeah uh, I mean, I, I've actually heard people say that we, you know, maybe your career, I feel like to some degree you you do best maybe something something to do with your first job. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I used to say my theory was that architect, you know, like I look at architect's work and maybe it's just my own biases or what's the, why you say it, biases, biases. Mm-hmm. Um, but architects, when they're just starting out and everything counts, every penny counts, every word they say counts, every pencil mark they make counts. I oftentimes think that's that's their work that has the most energy and the most poetry and is just who what it's just their talents boiled down to their essence before they become that's when they're really awe of what they do before they become about what they do. I mean, I think that's probably a way a lot of bands and albums yeah. you know they hit gold yeah, yeah. and then they spend the rest of the time trying to redo that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, right, look at the Astros right now. Yeah, but I guess to answer your original that. question. Um, I was renting studio space on Red Bluff Road, if you recall. I do recall. And, and I remember thinking, hey, our friends are coming over here. And I think that just in by the nature of what we were doing, which is th- it's acts as simple as picking up dead limbs and putting mm-hmm. them in the fire pit, yeah. that we're adding value yeah. to that dirt. Yeah. You know, by just the bringing your friends there, building a fire, picking up sticks, yeah. man, you know, managing it all. Yeah. I was like, wait, why am I paying for this? I need to buy a piece of property. Yeah. And and started looking at that and point. And you can just invest in, yourself in yeah, it. Yeah, invest yourself in it. And yeah. it was like, I need to find a piece of property to invest myself into. Yeah. yeah. And that that will work. And, yeah. and, and then it was like, and the dream would yeah. be that I could fit a baseball field on it too. And lo and behold. Well, what's cool is that, you know, with um, – our friend Tina, who passed away, yeah. may she rest in peace. Uh, Tina Pamia was the great founder of the the. If if there's a booster club for the Playboys, it was founded by Tina. All you needed to do was know she was there. And Tina's laughter in our in the bleachers, just anybody being in the bleachers, and her face was, and her smile, and her face and smile was was it. And in addition to that, she was my real estate agent, yeah. and I and she shared this dream with me, mm-hmm. and I told her. And, and for for at least a year or two, we drove around in her Cadillac looking 
at really, really shitty pieces of dirt. <laughs> you had a crawfish boil at one of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, that one is a good story. We might have to come back to that. <laughs> that was as humid as where I grew up <laughs> in the deep south. <laughs> so we'll come back to that story. That but the that was the long time that didn't work out. <laughs> thank goodness. And there's two or three of those that we could talk about because they have an interesting thread. Jeppy and I left well. when uh, the, it started looking like it was going to turn. <laughs> either really good or okay. really bad i'm not, i never knew found out what, what um, where it all ended up but it was a good crowd after two years with tina of looking for dirt yeah to put a baseball field on the, anything that was over five eight ten acres n- it, the money that was needed to f- either flatten it or yeah. clear it yeah. or get utilities to it was just overwhelming <laughs> and I'd, I'd come up with a theory that maybe i could find something with a trailer yeah. on it yeah. because if if I remove the trailer, at least it's got a septic hookup and yep. a water and electric tap. Yeah. And, and you know. And it, I, it has an address. It has an address. Yeah. So those sorts of things. But eventually I settled. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. I kind of thought of it like this in <laughs> the, the meantime. But it was like, okay, let's just, let's invest well, our time into this piece of property and see what, what happens. Yeah. And I settled for just building a backstop at first. Yeah. And we, you know, it was like, I have well, a studio. Was, there's a house out there. What was the house like? Because it's a really it was, cool it's, house It was funny. It had been, um, it clearly, surely was a foreclosure yeah. that the bank could put $30,000 into right before I got there. Two for two. Rip, for no, it was the ugliest tile <laughs> I've ever seen. I ripped it out immediately. So I was like, if I would just, if, if, if you'd just caught me, you know, two weeks ago, we could have just avoided this tragic tile situation. <laughs> And I ripped all that out, but it was, you know, it was a night. I, I would say it was a, a little, I, I like to call them ranchitos, yeah. but a little. Dude, whatever you did. First time I was out there, <laughs> I guess you'd already fixed it up, but it was, it was really nice. And Maxie, I guess, lived out there from, from the beginning. Lived out there since, well, I've, I've had lots of people live there with us, yeah. you know, over the years. There was a guy named Spence Kellum, an architect from Mississippi. Yeah. And I've always got a, ro- a rotating cast of characters that live and visit and and you know greg jones obviously stay there when he comes butch stays there when he comes through i have campers all the time so it's i mean it's it's all the things that i is there a chance i met Maxie when you lived on uh, gardner road yeah oh for sure we were neighbors that's where we met we were neighbors and to the the listener Maxie is a caretaker and groundskeeper that is at the rural studio i mean sorry at the long time (laughs) The other that, rural studio. Um, and he um, helps us take care of the place. And among many friends who helped me keep it going. <coughs> so, uh, God, just so many questions now. So you say, best you can tell, the first Playboys after you were me and Rick? I mean, they know they were you and Rick. Yeah. Um, and now I think Rick, Rick's... Um, who, who recruited the next player and who was it? Let me think of that for a second. I mean, I know that uh, I would think probably Dave Mead was yeah. right after that. I'm, I'm thinking of the ones I remember meeting. Oh, I know. John Mascarenas <laughs> yeah. would have been right after that. Robbie Gay. Yeah. Robbie uh, Gay was probably next. He was my roommate yeah. at the time and friend of, yeah. for, and roommate for and, the last one. And all-purpose athlete. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I definitely after you yeah. and Rick would have been – Robbie Gay, John Hart Asher, yeah. Samuel Douglas, Dave well, Mead. And I remember right at the beginning was Medigliani and Matt Naylor. Were they were they in the beginning? So who yeah. you, you asked them all or I mean at that point I, everywhere I, you know, when I would there. meet people, it's sort of like now. I mean it's not much has changed, but at that yeah. moment, maybe that was all when I was around groups of people, yeah. they would usually introduce me by, Hey, this is Jack Sanders, he's starting a baseball team. Uh, yeah. And then I would basically size them up and at the time i thought i was recruiting baseball players for a moment yeah you know but if you did meet somebody like david medigliani yeah you were like wow he's the he's the he's what i'm interested in is amazing creative talent but also has played some baseball now i'm now year 20 years later it's like amazing talent in, in in creative talent creative great energy don't care if they've ever played baseball <laughs> at all. Don't forget, I was your starting third baseman for, for sure. A while. Yeah. For sure, I, I remember never. some scooping over there. <laughs> I never played baseball. <laughs> well, I'm just glad none of. And I got the walk off, which is odd for an away game. Uh, I got the walk off hit at Newburn. 
I remember. The walk-off hit. Yeah, remember. Or did we walk off and, and in, acknowledge that it was over? Yeah. <laughs> and that we lost? Yeah. yeah. No, no, we won. You don't remember Oh, that, that was in year two. Yeah, year okay. two, Sunday, yes. those thunderstorms, there were lightning. Yes. You, you had a meeting with both teams in the middle of the field and I think then you and just you and Didaway, and then, okay. then you both came out and said whoever scores next wins the game. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. Those ga- every the, game after the first one is, is they all blur together yeah. after that. But. Yeah. but I love those days. Yeah. So uh, you were asking pretty much everybody in the beginning. Well, anybody that I thought, you know, I mean, I, I I'm I'm pretty impressed with those that I yeah. selected. You know, um, yeah. Did you know everybody ahead of time, or just no? But I trust. Um, you know, the the way it happened was just really organic and natural. And there's some that stuck around, and there were some. I mean, tr- there really were some mistakes along the way, believe it or not. You know, there definitely were people that came once. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there were some that came once, and they never wanted to come back. Yeah, and so, yeah. Exactly. And there were some yeah. that came once, and we were like, please don't ever bring that person back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they just didn't have the right vibe or it was clear that they were set for maybe a more competitive league or that their trouble (laughs) or whatever, you know, (laughs) or their baseball priorities were a little out of whack. Yeah. But over the years, that's definitely evolved. I mean, I get a lot of requests through email and social media of how to get on the roster. And I don't, you know, I don't have a real clear, definition of that Mm -hmm. other than that what the answer now usually is just that there's a really big we're we have a complete roster right i mean say 70 people (laughs) so if you're here to play baseball Mm -hmm. you need to look elsewhere yeah you know but if you're truly truly interested first of all have you been to a game you know because i get emails from people like how do i sign up and it's like you should probably come to the game once just come to the long time and then if you're just dead set you just keep like I did in Newburn. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the Newburn Tigers, you know, I just always had my glove, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and if you always have your glove and you're at every game, there's no doubt that it's so, and when you're not in the game, clear, you clearly need to introduce yourself to others. Mm-hmm. And if you, if again, if you don't like those people, you'll stop coming. Yeah. If you like them and you keep coming around, you probably become their friend. Yeah. Pretty natural. Yeah. And then eventually our friends are there when we need a ninth player. Yeah. I mean, you'd be one might be surprised to know that even with a roster of 70 mm-hmm. and Sundays or Saturday games where I'll have 25 people show up mm-hmm. that by the sixth inning, I'm looking for, you know, <laughs> actually that's not even the right way to say it. I'm yeah. not looking yeah. for a person. Somebody shouts out, we need a right fielder yeah. or we need a center fielder because it's just gotten to that point where again, it's turned into a social, you know, to a party or a hang. Yeah. And we're just all a big family reunion at that point. Yeah. And, yeah. And so that's when, that's how you get on the team. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, again, it's just, it, it's, you can tell when people get it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, I guess in that way too, um, it, that's kind of the nicest part is it's um, being able to, you know, set a tone set up you know set set it up the way that we we see that it should go mm-hmm. and then people come out and when they get it they absolutely get it yeah. and 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 the best thing ever is when those people get it and they say this is where I want to get married yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know or, and or this is where I'd like to shoot a commercial next week yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so you just create a you create an atmosphere for people to to you know be the best they can be in that well I mean, what a great opportunity for me to do that. Yeah, but you never and tell anybody how to be a playboy or, you know. I, I don't think so. Yeah. No. And I have people wanting to ask me if they can be a playboy, and then they ask me, um, when do we practice? And then I say, I don't think you want to be a playboy. <laughs> <laughs> There's another league for that. Yeah. We used to practice. Yeah. I love That was maybe my favorite part. I like well, that. I don't know if you know the way in – the, in the manifesto that I wrote, the – suggestion in my mind is that that time would be better served in a yoga or Pilates class ah. at this point. Yeah. I don't feel like there's a particular skill, um, uh, a drill yeah. that we need to be going through right now at this age in order to be better at baseball, other than just maintaining 
our ability to even walk upstairs and up and down a ladder <laughs> and you get in the car. You're getting as old as me now. Well, I, I think we've been going quite a while. Um, I'm willing to talk more, obviously, but uh, I think as we approach an hour, I should at least say, you know, I think that the, the reason that I chose to speak with you um, among a lot of other candidates that crossed my mind is that what a great opportunity to travel back to day one, mm-hmm. not just day one of the Playboys, but day one of my life here in Austin <laughs> as it became. Yeah. And, and one, to just show some gratitude for that and oh, how much you. I appreciate um, the tone of that American Dream class was uh, was spot on for what I needed to follow up as a student. And I know what's cool about it is that I'm not alone in that. Yeah. And that, you know, I think that's a really cool thing is that how many students I know that had that same. Well, I don't know if any of them were able to, uh, you know, be as lucky as I was, but I know a lot of them. Um, wow. You know, so thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I'm just honored to hear you say that, to, to have you, somebody like you appreciate somebody like me. It's, oh, well, it's about as good as it gets. Whatever. I really, now that we've talked for so long too, I'm like, man, they should hear this story. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Well, so, no, just probably- so Jack's wife, I had never met her and she sent me emails. It seems like multiple emails every day. This class, this American Dream class had closed that means nobody was allowed in anymore there was already too many people in it and she kept sending me the emails going like i I, i've been thinking about i think she said like i don't like this place and i'm thinking about leaving and somebody told me to contact you and i'm going i'm sorry you can't be in my class and she keep she'd tell me like all how great she was (laughs) like i did this i did this and and i'm going this isn't how you get in my class (laughs) and then she's like okay and then she just shows up in class and it's like you know what from the moment she opened her mouth, she is like an ally in this class. She's ready for it. She's ready to help teach it. She's really gets it. And I think she was kind of over there and you were kind of over there. And you must have mentioned the rural studio or something. Because mm-hmm. I know during that class, I can see you. You didn't have a beard, I don't think. No. And uh, hair was pretty short. And I know there was a rural studio connection right there. And well, then, in Ann's memory, I was wearing really ugly shoes. I think you <laughs> And then I think on our discussion board, she asked me if you had a stigmata on your foot. And I didn't, nobody wanted to really go out, go figure out where that came from. Okay. With Another guys. story. Yeah. Um, but uh, I still also remember something. I thought every student was going to drop after that night. Something went wrong. We had to leave the classroom. We had to go find another classroom all, every, all the other rooms were locked. I was trying to show a movie at the end of class. Everything went wrong. So I just, like in the last minute, we went into some classroom that had a VHS thing. I stuck in Hal Ashby's Medium Cool, and that's how the class began with this cinema verite, somewhat fictional uh, movie made at the 1968 Chicago Democratic Convention. Well, all of your classes started something like that. I mean, I remember like, no, just like coming in and like you'd have just music just blaring really loud and we'd just sit down. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And you provided us CDs of all the music. So my music catalog at that time was all the stuff you were providing this class. But it, every, and if you, every, this is the, I'll tell this story about every, that class. every playlist you've asked for since then, you always say, and put in the billboard song. Oh, totally. No, there's so many songs from that class that are still on the list here. But, but I will say this part, the, uh, the coolest thing I remember among 10 or 12 really cool things you did in that class is you said, let's, go to west texas but we left at midnight and i didn't tell you why and you didn't tell us why we met at your house well i said we're going to fort davis because i remember i have to to say that because i remember something you said later on okay so this is a i don't even know if this is legal by the way we broke in (laughs) no any of this is a even oh they're turning our cars into a radio station so he oh with the school no it was not allowed (laughs) okay so we meet at your house 10 12 15 students We drive, and we're supposed to go to Fort Davis, leaving at midnight. Don't forget the fact this was the foggiest day I've ever seen. It was foggy. It was totally fogged in. 
And here's the, you don't you pull over at Enchanted Rock, yeah, which is like what two we, hours out, yeah, and it's closed. It's closed. It's we cl- totally socked in with fog. We climb to the top of, the of biggest, Enchanted Rock, of the biggest rock, at two or three in the morning. Yeah. Walk back down, and drive to West Texas. You forgot the best part. Go ahead. It totally fogged in, socked in with fog. You, I mean, we we had a hard time driving. Yeah, and. But I've been following the weather, and it was supposed to clear at Enchanted Rock at about 2 o'clock in the morning. And that, that night was the biggest night of, in a while of the Leonid meteor shower. Yeah. So it was like we heard the meteors. They were going zoop, zoop, zoop. And I just remember you lying on your back going, I'm in Fort Davis. I love <laughs> Fort Davis. I'm not going anywhere. And I wasn't. I was just as Enchanted Rock. <laughs> yeah, that was just an Enchanted Rock. Right? I don't remember that part. Wow. That was, <laughs> and then I went. I don't think I was driving. I, no, I, it was, you had a van, and Ann was in the van with and you. And I definitely had to drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so we arrived in West Texas at sunrise. Yeah. Which is, you know, I th- and again, I started thinking about it then. I remember it sort of a light bulb going like, oh, wow. Our senses, everything is thrown off a little bit by that 12 that we're so tired. Yeah. We arrived in Fort Davis, and then we hiked to the top of a mountain there, Yeah, I mean, which must have been arriving there at like 10 a.m. Something like or that. Or something. Yeah, and we yeah. crossed a stream where our feet it, got wet. It was like, it was one of the, it's the only time I've seen water in that stream, and it yeah. was in the temperature was in the 30s. And we started a fire. Yeah. And we shouldn't have done that. Well, I even looked at you guys going like, this time I'm not going to say no. Oh, we had to to stay. Yeah, Yeah, to dry our clothes or dry our shoes. Okay, good. Because I think back about that day and think about how we could have burned West Texas down. Because now, you know, I was not as familiar with that territory as I have been since. And I know that, wow, we could have, the wind was blowing. We could have, but we... Or a definitely a park ranger could have walked up at any minute and said, yes. what the hell are y'all doing? You don't see park rangers in that part of the park. Well, I do remember having red wine and a piece of chocolate out of a backpack <laughs> there and thinking this is the best red wine and the best piece of chocolate I've ever had. Yeah, and I think, again, it just taught me a lot about, about you know, throwing – just flipping everything over and looking at it a different way. Well, that, was, <laughs> that was actually asking uh, nothing else from students, but to from the moment they started preparing to go on that trip until the end of the night when we get back, just constantly ask themselves, where is home? Yeah. Not just what is home, but where is home? And, you know, at some point, home's back there, and then at some point, home's right here, and then at some point, home's up there. And then it just sort of expands your appreciation for for where is home, I, th- I think. But also about what is and what isn't architecture, and where does architecture come from? I mean, I can't imagine looking millions of years into the past when we look up into that West Texas sky and then looking down at that volcanic rock 600 million years from the past, looking into the past, looking into the future, doing everything. I mean, how can you not ask yourself where does architecture come from and what is architecture? Yeah. We were doing architecture. Yeah. We were sand lotting architecture. Okay, so this is the this. No, let's don't conclude the first episode of the oldest living Playboy tells all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got another thing to tell. We're gonna we're just creating an editing situation. Okay, yeah. Actually, we're at fifty minutes of recording. Let's do the. Do you do a word and I do a word. Let's try it. I want to do it. I don't know how to do that. Just say a word. I've never done it either. That's a, I want to do a painting like that where no. you draw something and then I draw and then you. Tr- <laughs> I could do that in a drawing, but I'm not doing it with words. <laughs> I think I've already said. The only, you just say dick every time. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's really first, funny. First, my, <laughs> on ad libs, my word. kids know it's coming too. <laughs> first but, word. But, oh, for p- part of the body, <laughs> testicles. <laughs> They're always <laughs> or nuts. Yeah, well, Tessa, you know, it's good to teach your kids big words. Well, they definitely, they're, we're, if we do ad-libs, and the, anytime it kind of says part of the body, they're like, no, Dad, don't. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sorry, in ad-libs, testicles in any part of it works. So. Wow, I, I like, play, you know, I'm an old man, I like playing Wordle. I'm sorry, it's such a big word, I'd use it. Yeah. So what else do we talk about? What else do we know about each other? kind of secret anything you've ever wanted to ask me but you were afraid to ask 
My superfluous third nipple that you've heard about? <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, anyhow, Playboys. Do you ever think about, you know, they always say, like, if you start a business, you're not successful until you figure out how I can live without you. You ever think about when you're not a Playboy anymore? Or you'll always be a Playboy, but when you're not. Yeah. You know, you're starting to catch up with me. Yeah. No, I definitely <laughs> think about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, of, you know, people think about it. I guess what I do is probably similar to the way I think of the long time. I, I try not. I think of the long time as a con. It is called the long time. Well, I know it is. Yeah, it's called the long time. But to me, the long time is not. It's not necessarily that piece of dirt. Yeah. yeah it's a yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's a way of of life. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's it's a concept that I'd like to apply to all my projects yeah. and all my and which means that at any point, you know, I could I could start all over. I could do it again. Yeah. You know that that it, it's almost it, it's it's as simple as it can be as simple as whatever the first day yeah. was yeah. um and that's just as good it's sort of like with our barnstorm to france i think yeah. people ask me a lot of times i'm going on our barnstorm to france obviously yeah. with my family yeah. that uh, but we voted to the again to the listener yeah we have we vote at a winter banquet every year on a city that we'd like to play baseball in and the best presentation usually gets the most votes, yeah. even if most of those people don't have any f- expectation of going there <laughs> or contact. With yeah, and some it. of these people are just at that party too. Yeah. But yeah. but I don't. I love that part of it. And so at the end of the night, we have 80, 90 ballots, yeah. and in this case, France was the runaway. Yeah. So we're going to France, but people keep asking me if we have the numbers. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> You know, honestly, I don't. And if there's three of us there in uniform, mm-hmm. in our and whatever weird thing that leads to yeah. us playing catch in the street in yeah. Mouille, France, yeah. what a cool, cool opportunity. Yeah. You know, and 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 so yeah, is it a little goofy and weird to like lug some equipment and put our Wrangler uniforms on? <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally. Totally so, weird, but do you, remember, do, you, do you even know that I got detained coming back from Newburn the first time we went? Detained in yeah. what state and city? By, in uh, Birmingham by oh. who are the people who uh, detain potential terrorists? <laughs> those uh, people, the TSA. Uh, yeah, those at least. So those, the airport at least those guys, at and the this airport. was a concern about terrorism, not drugs. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the lady said it sure looked like plastic explosives. Oh. Uh, you had put all the balls in one of my bags. Oh. And I was carrying on my luggage. And apparently when they scan these things, the profile of a bag full of baseballs is the same profile. Well, you know what that could be, and this is true, bath bomb. Bath balls or bath – those – there's something about a bath ball, a bath bomb, or a bath ball. Those little that are about baseball size yeah. that sets people okay, off. Well, well, I said it, and all I just know that for some random reason. But in Mississippi, I was in Mississippi one time at the airport in Jackson, yeah. and they had stopped somebody, and I was just overhearing this that the bath salt bomb. You know, the, something about swiping your bag. Yeah. I'm just wondering if the it sounds. The baseball, it makes, it makes as much sense as a bag full of baseball. Okay, I don't yeah. know. they were really nice. I got to take another flight, and uh, I think I ended up in Dallas Fort Worth Airport for a while, and then a gift shop. I bought UNN a, a rooster, a set of chicken and rooster salt and pepper shakers. So it all worked out really, no, I well, think really, I really well. I probably <laughs> still have those. Used to have my uh, Yogi the Bear lunchbox too. If I that part that? I don't know where that you is. You made a worm. Oh yeah, some yeah. sort of worm paradise. Yes. Out of my I think box. I made a worm bin, okay. composting bin, out of your lunchbox in your kitchen, and I'm pretty sure it rusted through. Yeah. And be and it's been retired. You've lived in then. some cool places. Yeah. Well, I bet you have too. Well, I'm I mean, thinking of the first house you bought, which reminds me, Birdies. I just drove by Birdies to get over here. That restaurant, Birdies on 12th Street. I don't know. It's winning all kind of awards. Okay. Kind of high end, but that's where you took me there when it was a Mexican restaurant, and I don't think anybody spoke English in there. That's where you introduced me to Phil. 
right till. Uh huh. And we went and looked at the house that you. Hey, I bet when I see birdies. Okay. When I see birdies, I'll probably know what it used to be. But yeah, it was. uh, We went there. Only time I ever went there were you. We met there, and you bought us all lunch, and we went and found you a house that Ann wouldn't take a bath in, if I remember correctly. Well, eventually we made it into a home. Yeah. Together. All from that first day in your class. Later, years later, you're right though. She did say that she did not want to live in that house. But then... Well, the bathtub we, was interesting, if I remember correctly. We did fix it yeah. together, and I basically let her take over on the interior design, obviously. And I just she remember. crushed it, and it. we lived there. We took Mary Vance, our daughter, home there. Oh, wow. And then years later, again, that maybe, maybe a cool part of that story in reference to some of our conversation, too, was that it was an investment property my dad is a banker mm-hmm. and i remember he basically was telling me how real estate you know these types of projects work yeah. and he was saying you should add a bathroom yeah. you should add a bedroom yeah. and i took a bedroom away <laughs> took a bathroom away and made it into a place for my family yeah. and we made it into an open floor plan and it was really weird and really unique and then years later I, um we we put it on the market and and uh, and ended up selling it to our wonderful yeah. friends, who again it just shows you that you don't have to make things for everybody. Yeah, yeah. There's somebody out there, well, that was you know. My, they're like in a town like Austin, especially. It just you know there's you can trust your gut, trust your instinct, do it from your heart, yeah. and there's going to be at least one other person out there yeah. that well, that's going to say like, oh, this is exactly what we yeah. needed. And that was a, my I I was worried when you showed me that house. Yeah, and I was worried when you bought it, and I was worried when you started spending money on it because you know my background is you're putting too much money into this house yeah. for this neighborhood. Well, and then golly. I was 100 percent wrong. Well. And you just you I created about four of them, <laughs> but I mean we we used to drive by there a lot. And yeah, I would, I would take the extra just to drive by just because I love what you're doing just from the street. Well, this is a whole nother podcast, I think, about Austin gentrification. But that could be our podcast, <laughs> whole nother. <laughs> because I do recall being, you know, the when I knew. But we used to have our first practices there too. We did. We practiced across the street. Yeah. But I remember once when a east side, I ordered an east side pie yeah. and the pizza driver said, man, this is a cool neighborhood. And I was like, all right, all right. here it goes. Yeah, I was right. It's changing. <laughs> pizza, pizza guys are the lures. <laughs> That's the gentrification lure as a pizza driver. Uh, yeah, that did. Yeah. And you had, I loved your neighbors. What was it Mike to live next door? Yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. And you used to let us store materials for my class out there too. Well, I still store quite a bit of materials for people at the long time. I, I generally, the the way I think of it is when somebody asks me if they can store something out there is if I think there's a high chance they're never coming back for it and I, I like it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you could bring that here because I so, know they're not coming back. It's really a place where when people's partners say to them, Please get, get that out of our garage. <laughs> They're like, Jack, can you? Matter of fact, today I went to our friend, the great legendary Lalo Kirkpatrick. Um, I had for the trailer. Those, for those of you who don't know Lalo and can't see him, imagine a guy in his, well, when I met him, he was younger, but he's just like straight out of the rat pack from the 1950s <laughs> with a van. I think he'll appreciate that. And a, ca- and a Cadillac convertible. And a Cadillac convertible. I remember one practice, he just drives up to second base, throws a cigarette out, and walks up. And He's definitely <laughs> the closest thing we got going to Didaway, yeah. who was the legendary center shortstop and pitcher for the Newburn Tigers, who one game I was scheduled to – I was a rookie for the Newburn Tigers, and the coach, Major Ward, gave me the ball, and I went out to the mound and – Started taking my warm-up pitches, and about probably is where I'm about to say I'm good and throw it down to second. Didaway pulls up in an IROC Z, walks straight to the mound, and tells me to give him the ball. (laughs) That's probably why they were laughing the first time we went there, because they don't even warm up. Dude, he didn't warm up one bit, and he threw a strike, and he actually said something after it, like, like, Dit's throwing strikes today is the way I remember it. And it was like one pitch, you know. He was so good. 
And yeah. so, and, and really, I, you know, it was the, it was literally adults playing baseball the way I had been playing as a kid, yeah. just yeah. completely loose yeah. and, and having fun and yeah. not worried one bit about the ramifications yeah. of what happens if you strike out or miss the ball. Cause you right. know, you can just say, fuck it. Yeah. I missed it. But everybody's still <laughs> playing really well because that's part of the fun. That's right. Well, I think now I think I can safely say that we've done this for over an hour and we don't want to make it a difficult editing job if it's not already for <laughs> for soon, this team. As but, soon as it's over, we're both going to go, man, why didn't we talk about that? Well, there's no doubt. But I, I will reiterate because I don't think I did justice to it the first time. Thank you really for your uh, support and influence to whatever – Whatever it is I was trying to do in 2003 when I came to your class and the people that you exposed me to and the music that you exposed me to and to, you know, I think uh, aside from Didaway and Rick Linklater, you're, uh, you know, a very influential founding member of the Texas Playboys. And, and, and that definitely, whether the, other, the rest of the Sandlot Revolution listeners agree or not, even in 2006, I referred to the Playboys as one of the leaders of the Sandlot Revolution. Well, the, uh, the, so so gave, you, we then, gave, you gave birth to the Sandlot Revolution. Well, we definitely started that hashtag, yeah. and I think Howard was a part of that too. So, you know, we, we definitely started calling ourselves the leaders of this yeah. even before there was a lot of this. And so, therefore, by extension, you are certainly one of the – architects and professors yeah. if, if of Sandlot for sure. And, and so I'm lucky to get to spend an hour and three minutes with you. And, and um, I, I bet you that Howard will ask us to do this again because it's been so entertaining. Well, <laughs> I hope they keep that last part because I don't know how to do justice to that. That was just, thank you. And I, you know, you did you teach like I did for 30 something years and you stood, when you retire, you think like, why did I do that? And you did it so you can branch off with, people that you met while you were doing it and that you can continue to get joy from people who were in your classes. Cool. Uh, well, and, thank you. And you give me a lot of joy. Yeah, you too. Thank you. I can't say joygasm. Anymore. <laughs> Bye.
Sister Elizabeth singing Pleasant is the valley where we pray 